Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Good morning. It is Friday, January 3rd, 2014, and this is Film School here on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. And welcome. Welcome to the new year. Welcome to Film School. Uh, Today's program, we'll be speaking with Tim Phillips. He's the director of a documentary called uh, Lion Ark. It is a terrific documentary about uh, the rescue uh, of 25 lions. A pretty remarkable story of um, the rescue of them from uh, the country of Bolivia. They had uh, outlawed, through, through some of the work being done by a group called uh, uh, Animal Defenders Incorporated, or International, pardon me, was able to, uh, to uh, get the country of, of Bolivia to uh, outlaw the uh, an, um, circuses that uh, contained uh, animals as part of the entertainment. And by doing so, they were able to um, then adopt the strategy of what are we going to do with these animals now that uh, now that they are have no longer any place um, that will... You know, they need to be taken care of at this point. So they organized this uh, remarkable enterprise of rounding up these 25 lions and trying to, uh, and and putting together a place for them uh, to uh, to live out the rest of their lives. Uh, and it is it is quite a quite a story. Um, you can, by the way, before we get started with Tim Phillips, um, want to let you know that uh, American, I mean, Animal Defenders International. Um, you can go to their website at adinternational.org, and you can find out more about their their work. Ad international-ad-international.org. Pretty cool. Pretty darn cool. So Tim Phillips will be joining us, calling us from London, if I'm not mistaken. He'll be calling in in just a couple of minutes. Uh, You can find out more about the film, uh, Lion Ark. You can go to lionarkthemovie.com. That's pretty cool, too. And lots of information, lots of ways that you can uh, not just watch the movie ways you can go see the movie uh, but uh, ways that you can help be a part of the rescue of these just truly magnificent animals uh, after that we'll be playing uh, uh, an, uh, an interview um, previous interview that we did here um, on, K- on, uh, on film school uh, the um, The uh, interview was uh, Cutie and the Boxer. That was the film. Zach uh, Heinzlingler, uh, Heinzerling, pardon me, Heinzerling was the director. We had him on a few months ago. It's on the short list for the Academy Award consideration. Uh, that list of 15 will be reduced to five uh, films eventually for the actual Academy Award presentation. Uh, Zach came on, uh, it was about, I think it was in August of this year, to talk about pretty special film special in the, in the sense that the, the relationship between uh, these two people um, uh, Noriko and uh, and Ushio uh, was uh, is something that you have to, to see to believe in a way she, he's an older man who married a woman and that would be uh, Noriko um, married her I think she's 29 years his, his junior uh, he was an a, an artist, kind of a considered a modern artist of sorts. in um, In Japan, came to New York to work and became kind of a, a bit of a sensation. And she was a an art student traveling in from Japan and fell in love. 
and they got, they've been together for something like 30, 30 years. And he's now in his 80s, and she's now in her early 50s, I believe. Something like that. Anyway, just a wonderful film. Wonderful film. So, um, Yushio Shinohara and Noriko Shinohara. And they have a son named Alex, who's also a bit of an artist himself. So, And I won't give too much more of that, that away, but um, it's you should see it. It's a great documentary, Cutie and the Boxer, on the short list. So we'll be reprising our interview with Zachary. So on that, all right. Otherwise, I believe we're just gonna we're just gonna hang out, hang out and talk a little bit, just you and I, getting to know one another. Um, I saw two films this week uh, this weekend uh, that have been um, prominently mentioned as possible Academy Award considered best pictures. I saw the American Hustle and Her over the weekend. I love David O. Russell. I, th- I think he is a fantastic filmmaker. I absolutely loved Silver Linings Playbook, and I thought the performances that he's been able to get from, uh, generally speaking, from the actors in his movies is extraordinary. I Nothing but praise for him as a director. I think he's done some great... Going back to Flirting with Disaster, Three Kings, I, I Heart Huckabee, the list goes on and on. I just think he's a terrific Silver Linings playbook. I think he's a fantastic director. And I truly wanted to like this film more than I ended up liking it. Not that I didn't like it. I thought it was a it's a it's a good film. I'm not gonna discourage anyone from going to see it, certainly to make up their own mind, but I, I have to tell you that I was not as engaged in this film as I have been with his other movies and I, I think I don't know why. I, I still haven't quite figured out why I did not find the connection that I expected to find in this film. It's kind of a caper film. It's a story, loosely the story of a, a scandal that occurred in the 70s called Abscam. It was an Abscam was a was a big deal when it happened. Uh, I think it happened in, I'm going to say 77, 78. It was around the Carter administration and they they uh, ensnared a, a bunch of uh, congressmen, senators, and apparently a, 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 a New Jersey mayor um, because they were taken in. They believed that they were contributing to, um, well, they, they really thought that what they were doing was helping someone become a citizen. Um, an Arab, this Arab sheik was, was trying to become uh, an American citizen. And, um, he, he was, he was an FBI agent. They were just trying to see who who amongst them was willing to, uh, you know, kind of take the money and run uh, to help this guy become a, um, become a, a citizen of the United States? And uh, they, in the process, ensnared a number of congressmen. So that's what it's about. And the, and the cast is fantastic. The cast is amazing. Uh, you've got um, Amy Adams. Who's who's the best? I I think this is the best. I've liked her. I loved her. In the, I thought she was great in the master, but I liked her a lot in this. Um, of course, the the top of the pile here: Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, De Niro's in it. Robert De Niro. It and it's got a great cast. There isn't anything wrong with this film. I just was hoping that I would like it more than I ended up liking it. And I think that's about as the, the fairest thing I can say. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be speaking with Tim Phillips, the director of the new film, Lion Ark.
And welcome back to Film School here on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. More action adventure than traditional documentary, Lion Ark follows the world's most ambitious and daring animal rescue with a narrative meticulously compiled from film, interviews, conversations, and reactions of the participants as events actually unfold. It is a shocking undercover investigation that leads to a ban on animal circuses in Bolivia. The circuses that defy the law are basically uh, the targets of this um, this band of animal rights people and and people who care about what happens to these magnificent animals these lions that uh, are the are the uh, the subject of this wonderful documentary lion ark we're joined today by the director of the uh, of this film lion ark uh, tim phillips uh, tim is also a vice president of uh, and co-founder along with his wife jan creamer of animal defenders international we'll talk about that as well and this group has built up one of the most successful animal protection groups in the world with offices in Los Angeles, London, and Bogota. Uh, Tim Phillips, welcome to Film School. Thank you very much for having me on, and uh, look forward to to talking with you about Lion Art. Yeah, well, I I as well. um, This is, uh, you know, it's such a... Uh, a heartwarming enterprise that you've embarked you embarked upon in this film, and um, and and it's certainly a challenging one. Tell me a little bit now. Obviously, you're a filmmaker from from prior uh, projects, but tell tell us a little bit about your sort of your process. What sort of decisions or or what sort of objectives were you did you have place on yourself in terms of telling this story uh, of the uh, the rescue of these uh, wonderful animals? Well, we we secured the the, the ban. Um, I suppose first and foremost, I'm a, mm-hmm. a campaigner and founder of Animal Defense International. But but my my background is production of uh, videos and short form documentaries. So um, I went into this with the, that as a mind, and I came into animal protection as a photographer and then as as, as someone filming these things way back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So we we. We did a big undercover investigation, which sort of really shook South America. It's actually now led to four countries banning the use of animals in circuses. And Bolivia was the first to to bring forward a law, and they, they banned, after seeing this shocking evidence we'd gathered in the circuses, the, a law which banned the use of all animals in circuses. And um, so the, the key was getting this enforced, and I think that's a... A very important theme behind the film is mm-hmm. that often the biggest channel, challenge to animal protection is not, not just creating awareness and getting laws, it's actually getting them enforced. Yeah. So here was a, a country that had brought in a very idealistic law, a very important sort of uh, uh, agenda-setting law, and uh, how would they enforce it? They didn't have the resources, they didn't have sanctuaries, they didn't have teams ready to go out and save these animals. So we said we would undertake that work. Mm-hmm. And the circuses were given a, a year to comply with the law and, and dispose of their animals, sell them, and move over to being a, an animal-free circus. Mm-hmm. And one circus did that. Mm-hmm. And all of the rest, which was eight other circuses, simply defied the law. And they thought, no one's ever going to enforce this. We're just going to break the law. We'll carry on keeping these animals in these terrible cages and on chains. So we set about tracking them down, mm-hmm. and that's really where the film Lion Art begins, tracking down these circuses and rescuing these animals and um, uh, then taking them, getting them better and taking them to safety. And, uh, of course, we... If, we were in a, if you were doing this in, in the U.S., in California, you, you get on the phone to, you know, a reputable zoo, perhaps, or certainly an animal sanctuary, and say, you know, we, we need to seize these animals, we need to somewhere safe to hold them. But there weren't those facilities in Bolivia, so we really, absolutely literally, we had to fence off land there and then and build cages as we went, as we rescued these lions. And, of course, it's very dangerous animals that we were working with um, and um, look after them and bring them back to health ready to airlift them to a sanctuary in the U.S. And uh, mm-hmm. so 
we looked at this and we realized this would be, you know, historic and a, and a remarkable opportunity to show not the, just the suffering of these animals, but to show how their lives can be transformed and how, you know, these animals, as they are given space and freedom, emerge as real characters and that we could follow that story right from the start, not just pick up with it when they arrived at a sanctuary or not just get a, a glimpse of how they suffered, but to absolutely follow their story. And so we began filming with, with a mind to having a record of this operation and, and the, the story of the, these animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that's just what we did. Yeah, and, and I think uh, as the film, uh, as Lion Ark, lays out as you as you just as you described it where it, a lot of this uh, recon work that went in uh, to um, prior to you tracking down these circuses that were in defiance of the law um, that is an interesting story and obviously done with the help of people who are Bolivian people um, who were a big part of this story as well they they took it upon themselves and really kind of uh, shouldered a tremendous amount of the, the work that was done in order to affect this, um, this uh, rescue. Tell us a little bit about working with the people uh, in Bolivia. Yeah, one of the things I, I, I'm really proud of it that's at the heart of the film is that it really involves so many people who were involved in this from the start. And I suppose the start point for the investigation was that um, Jan and I, began recruiting, had been to South America, and we'd secured some international legislation in in Chile. And we realized that sort of when we rescued a chimpanzee in Chile in in 2002, there there was incredible feeling towards animals, but not a huge amount of active, um, uh, high-profile campaigning. And so we we began recruiting a team of field officers, and, and we put them undercover inside the circus industry for almost two years and these were Bolivians, Peruvians, people from Colombia and they moved from place to place and we we gathered all of this evidence and then once we were ready to launch this we began liaising with um, campaigners in in all of the key South American countries where we launched including Bolivia Mm -hmm. and so we were working with uh, you know young idealistic vets and, and activists and, and people you see in the film who are actually looking after the animals, uh, sort of young Bolivian campaigners and veterinary students and qualified vets, they'd actually been working, knocking on the doors of the politicians, you know, urging them to ban the use of animals in circuses. And so those people were involved and came with the with the lions, or some of them did, all, all the way through to the end to when they were freed in in um, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's it, that, and and I I am I know I mean it, you Animal Defenders International has done uh, a lot of great work uh, uh, in the past. Uh, anything approaching this scale? I, 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 I want people to kind of get the picture here. By the way, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Tim Phillips. He's the director, co-writer, uh, also producer, right? You're also the, one of the producers of, uh, of our... <laughs> yeah, so something of a jack of all trades yeah. on Lion so, yeah. and, and, uh, so, But uh, the, the scale of this operation, it, I know you did a lot of legwork and there was a lot of prep involved and all, um, but... Did it did it dawn on you as to how much uh, it was going to actually be, and when you when you got into the actual because there's a lot of moving parts here uh, to to pulling off the rescue and the transportation of 25 lions. Um, <laughs> I know I have to tell you that, but I mean, did it surprise you in terms of the scale of, of the enterprise once you were in the it, middle of it? It, it? it did actually, and I mean, it surprised me some of the things which which went smoothly and and <laughs> other things you know which were obviously very tough um and uh what was the one what was know, the, the one that's the biggest sur- obstacle can be yeah. just the sheer bureaucracy of mm. moving animals across borders like this and this was a huge number of varying degrees of of health of animal to be be doing like you say there was a lot of moving parts in this and we focus on 25 lions that were seized and uh we were also moving horses and dogs and, and primates 
and mm. even a deer that was was rescued during the operation. So in in the ninety seven minutes of the film, you you can't cover absolutely everything, but. I do think you get a good picture of, of what it takes, and it's this mixture of sort of physically getting these animals and the difficulties of, of yeah. you know, when you've got sick animals in very dilapidated cages, but then you give them some food and start getting them healthy, and they get stronger and stronger and, you know, more and more capable of getting out of those cages. <laughs> so there's, there's kind of that size. It's sort of almost like you're feeding them up ready to eat you as rescuers. Um, well, so that there's that side. And the, and the pure bureaucracy of, of pulling together, sort of getting permits. And, you know, some people have said well, at Q&As at film festivals, how come you're loading and moving these animals at night and things? And... Um, Often it's just the sheer length of the operations. Mm -hmm. You know, you go into a circus and you can be arguing with them for, you know, six hours trying to get these animals out. Now, we've tried to compress that and yeah. reflect it in sort of five or six minutes of film. And so then you're actually sort of driving them for, you know, maybe ten hours to get them back to your base camp at night. And also when you're loading 25 at Lions, you... It, it takes eight hours from the first one you get in to getting the last one in. And you don't want those animals standing about in little microwaves, effectively, in 100-degree sunshine. So, you know, we deliberately loaded these lions ready for the flight uh, uh, as the sun set so that we were ready to be get them on the aircraft at dawn. Yeah. Um, there, there was something um, uh, when... When you're when we in, in the film when we see you're uh, approaching the owners of these circuses, at least a couple of them seemed incredulous that actually that the law existed. You know, is that my understanding uh, from what I saw? In the, particularly one woman who didn't believe you, or to believe what if, what was some of the arguments that they the owners of these circuses were using to try and hold on to their animals? I mean, it was a violation of law. Did they understand the violation of the law part of it, or was there yeah, some they, other they, argument they, that they had? They've been very clearly warned, in fact. And mm -hmm. although we sort of moved in on them on lightning raids in terms of actually getting the lions, yeah. they have been given not just sort of when the law was passed, but even in the sort of couple of weeks preceding the rescue, they, they had been notified that they had to hand over the animals. Did that, did that, Tim, did that precipitate them trying to find sanctuary, to find a place to hide out, knowing that you were on... Did they, did they know you were on their trail, I guess? They, they, they did. Uh, I mean, they reacted differently, and I think we captured yeah. that in the film. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think we, you know, we're, we're, we're not unsympathetic to the fact that, you know, these these people's livelihood is changing and so on, even if we do, you know, show that the, these animals were in truly deplorable conditions. Yeah. I mean, people are shocked the way these animals were being kept. Um, and some voluntarily handed over the animals, you know. Sometimes there was tears from people, and people have said, they really love these animals. Well, I don't think you can keep, you know, an, a lioness in this cage the size of a single bed. Right. And really be loving that animal. But, you know, some of us would weep if we just had our car taken away or, or we repossessed, you know, that right. they were possessions. Right. And um, so they had those kind of attendant reactions. In, in terms of, there was, there was one circus that really did sort of give us the runaround. You know, every time it thought we were onto them, it would move move places. I mean, it, it was trying to transfer the ownership of the animals, but was still using them in the shows, still displaying them. And um, we pursued them for three weeks, which doesn't sound a very long time, but um, we ended up um, infiltrating that circus with one of our team, got a job there as a clown. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. so once that happened, we sort of knew where they were. And... Um, you know, one of the problems we faced, again, you say about all the moving parts of the operation, is people don't realize just how big a country like Bolivia is. This is the size of California and Texas combined. That's amazing. But with a population of just 8 million people. So, you know, if you had the population of L.A. Mm -hmm. and spread
spread them over the whole of Texas and California mm. and then had very few roads and, you know, none of the in- infrastructure that we're really familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, getting that group of lions back to Santa Cruz on these roads hacked through the mountains where Che Guevara used to hide out, that, that took 14 hours, that journey, yeah. after a hard day battling with the circus to actually seize them. So we sort of capture that kind of adventure side of the, of the, the operation as well. You do, and it's just terrific. And I want to let our listeners know that um, Lion Ark is going to be screening uh, here in the area, in, in Irvine, uh, at the Irvine International Film Festival, which is coming up. It starts the January 10th to the 16th. Um, I don't know what your screening day, do you... I'm sorry it's to It's the 14th, the 14th of um, okay. January, Tuesday the 14th. It's okay. at 8 p.m., so it's it's a nice time in the evening to finish work and go and see Lion Ark. Yeah, and th- those, for our local listeners, it's at the uh, Laguna Hill Cinema. Uh, so it's a week of wonderful um, cinema, film, The uh, many of the documentaries that have been shortlisted, uh, as well as a, a number of other terrific films will be screened at the Irvine International Film Festival, including Lion Ark. Um, we're joined uh, today by the director of Lion Ark, uh, Tim Phillips. And um, now, again, without giving uh, the uh, too much of the film away, um, there was just not just this part of the, the, the story, which it takes place in Bolivia, but we needed a place to take them. And that part of the story is, and in a, I mean, that's a remarkable story in and of itself. The size and scope of the construction and the and the the housing that's going to be needed for these uh, for these lions uh, is was a remarkable story. And how did you get to know? Um, uh, I'm having a bad day with names here. The um, the Wild Animal Sanctuary, he, Pat Craig. He, Pat, yeah. How did yeah. you? Was he part of? It, uh, it, was he involved with you before? Well, no, no, he wasn't actually. Um, we, we, when you're doing these operations, you know, you cannot guarantee you're going to go and get the animals or what sort of state they really will be in. Mm-hmm. And so you can only sort of pre-plan so much until you have animals in your hands and your vets are looking at them mm-hmm. and um, you can able to assess how far will they be able to travel, what sort of journey will they take. And in fact, this this whole group we we were able to um, uh, save, um, and so we we we'd got to a point in the operation where we had seized seventeen lions, mm-hmm. and like I say, you can go out on an operation like this and think, okay, we begin seizures in two days' time. We've got cranes, trucks, everything we need. And honestly, you can be in court for the next two years mm-hmm. and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. So y- you have to, to a degree, sort of put out feelers, take it with, with, with one day at a time. Now, with the circus that voluntarily handed over lions, we, we took those to the uh, Ark 2000 Sanctuary in California. We flew them into San Francisco. And so that was several months before this. So in a, in a way, that had been a dry run. But that had been some simple... On, the, on paper and had been fraught with difficulties. So we, we were scheduled to begin seizures and they began very rapidly and we whipped through, I think in seven days we raided seven circuses mm-hmm. and we had 17 lions in our hands in mm-hmm. temporary cages that we were building there and then. So we then realized that the Bolivian authorities had said to us they didn't want the lions to stay in Bolivia. And... There's logic to that because these are animals, some of which will live for 20-plus years, mm-hmm. and they had no purpose-built or experienced facilities. They didn't want them to be a burden on the Bolivian government, which didn't have the resources to simply set up a sanctuary. And there, there's big safety issues with these animals. You want to put them somewhere that's going to look after their welfare needs and also... Um, ensure that no one's going to get hurt yeah and you can move you can see why the bolivian authority were thinking oh this is all very well animal defense international doing this what about in five years time when it's out of the media i what happens you know if a child has their arm torn off trying to pet a 
a lion. Mm-hmm. And we have those same considerations. We want them somewhere which is absolutely secure, properly double-fenced, and all of those things. We also realize that logistically, trying to move these, this, this number of animals, the biggest airlift of lions that's ever taken place, we needed just for sheer efficiency and welfare reasons to get them on one flight, mm-hmm. take them to one destination, and for them to stay there. And our alternative to that was really take them to one destination and have that as a hub and then move them to other sanctuaries. And so we began, you know, mid-operation, Jan and I traveled up to the States and we began visiting sanctuaries Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, how many lines can you take? And there was sort of lots of offers for one and two. And um, we also wanted to home these lions in in big enclosures, really show the Bolivian government that they had done the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so there, there was no kind of disputing of, oh, well, is it that much better? I mm. mean, it, it's right. dramatically better. Yeah. These lions go from cages the size of beds to 20 acres. Yeah. And the also the other thing that was fantastic when we, we, we met up with the Wild Animal Sanctuary was their experience working with keeping lions as they should live Mm. and a big theme of the film is kind of lions becoming lions again you see these broken thin starving animals not running not not really behaving as lions and and in the film you even hear them regain their voices they sort of roar and they communicate more and and of the cats the lions are the really sociable ones they do live in prides and they do gain from each other's company. So when you see these lions being released into the space they should have, you know, acres and acres, and running and playing and you know, basically sitting as a pride, looking and surveying their environment as they would in the wild, I think it's something sort of magical and quite special. It really is. It is, and it you know, it's easy to lose in some ways, lose sight of the fact that they're big cats. And we know, you know, anyone who's had a domesticated cat in there it understands just what just beautiful, you know, magnificent creatures they are. And you, and you see them on, on this this kind of a scale. Uh, it really was beautiful to watch them um, come out of the uh, the tunnel into the uh, into the outdoors, something they probably hadn't, hadn't really experienced, uh, probably for mo- most of them, for the, their whole life, almost. I mean, it, it was it was beautiful. It's a really this film is in the telling. Uh, we've talked a lot about what's gone on in in, in terms of the story of Lion Ark, but um, the strength of the film is watching all of these things unfold and the, the support. And I think we'd be remiss if didn't point out some of the other people that were involved. Um, Bob Barker was uh, was certainly helpful, and and uh, sounds like he helped with some money and certainly some spiritual help uh in getting uh in getting this ha- to happen and the and the actress is i'm seeing georgia fox as well we know her from yeah. csi and others it's, there's a lot of other people i know and i'm probably leaving some very important people out um but it it was a group effort for sure yeah i think that's that's a, an important part of the film and it I, I what we tried to do is show the way celebrities work with a rescue like this bob barker he donated a million dollars, which made an operation on this massive scale possible. And um, mm. it, it, what we we do is we we don't have sort of celebrity presenters in the film, but we have the celebrities kind of come in and out, you know, where they meet and are involved in the media things and right. presenting things to governments and things. So I think that gives people a sort of interesting perspective on it rather than, is Georgia Fox presenting Lion Ark? You see, this this is Georgia Fox's role in in yeah. the rescue of these animals. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's just a, it's a very very heartwarming story, and I'm uh, I I, I, uh, I look forward. Now, are you uh, planning? You're you're not going to be out here, or are you going to be out here for the uh, screenings? Uh, you mentioned, well, I mentioned the Irvine Film Festival. You uh, there are a few more f- screenings here in the United States. Um, Tell us a little. Um, oh, well, first, I, I, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. Just real quick, I do want to let people know they can check out all of the things, all the information they want, want to find out about Lion Ark by going to lionarkthemovie.com. They can find out um, 
a lot of information about the film and screenings and such. And then also, just as importantly, they can find out about um, Animal Defenders International by going to ad-international.org. That's ad-international.org and find out uh, about more about the, the great work that, that you and, and Jan are doing um, with animals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they can see a trailer. I don't know if you mentioned this online, artthemovie.com. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah. one thing I would stress is that, and I think you've, you've, you've said this, but people sort of hear about this as a documentary about rescuing circus animals and, and how the law was changed. And I think people approach those things with some trepidation. And, and many people who care about animals are kind of, oh, is it going to be horrific and so on. And the, the, the film doesn't pull its punches at the beginning. You, you see why these things were banned, but it's, it's done, done quickly. We yeah. don't yeah. dwell on the suffering of the animals. And, and people who are really sensitive to animals have, have loved this film. And I think it, don't be scared of going and seeing Lionheart. It, it's fun. It, there's even moments where you laugh out loud in the film. Yeah. And... Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it, it is an uplifting film above all else. It, it sort of shows, and to follow the theme you were talking about earlier, I think it does show how different people come together for these things, whether it's the sort of activists and campaigners or whether it's people like Bob Barker and Georgia Fox and Jim Moran, a con- congressman, appears yeah. there and, yeah. and uh, a member of the Bolivian Congress, Jimena Flores, she's in there too, and but also the sort of metal workers. And I think you get a feeling for how people in Bolivia really got behind this rescue and, and sort of made it possible. And I think it shows that, you know, we see a lot of horror and suffering and, and see documentaries about horrible things. But I think it's good for people to know you really can make a difference. When people come together, and it's often relatively small numbers, you know, they can make a difference about these things, and they, they can sort of change the world they can and and you're right in that old margaret mead story about or the saying about the you know the small number of people getting together to change the world it's it's the only way it ever happens i'm paraphrasing it badly but <laughs> basically uh that's that is what what's happened here uh, the, the fact is that you're able to move a country to do some do the right thing and to and to and also you know help you uh, support at least support your efforts they, they, i think um from what i got from the film they they didn't there wasn't resistance on the part of the bolivian government uh once you got underway doing what you did uh and uh it seemed like the things that that i mean there's always bureaucracies and you talked about that mm-hmm. uh but uh certainly it sounds like uh, now have they been had the bolivian uh, government itself uh come out with any sort of official statement on on where the lions ended up and, and all that? Have they said anything since? Um, they, they, they've been very, very supportive. Good. And um, one of the DGB, which is the, the ministry responsible, one of their team flew out with us and was there when the lions arrived and everything. Mm-hmm. So they, they, mm-hmm. they were involved in this whole process. Okay. We're actually just um, started translating Lion Ark, and we're we're looking forward to showing it in in Bolivia. Oh, terrific! Which, um, yeah. So we will be subtitling it into Spanish for that. Well, and, and also, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say. I mean, it, it, it's also not a moment frozen in time. It's um, you know after Lion Ark, after this operation, it really sort of speeded up progress in South America because yeah. people looked at the way this was supported and how this has had a kind of happy ending for both campaigners, animals, and government. And it was really rapidly followed by the bans in Ecuador, Peru, Paraguay, and, and this year Colombia passed a ban, which, which had very fierce opposition from the circus industry. So th- this is something which is really changing the world. I think I think Lionark taps into the fact that people are re-evaluating their relationship with, with animals and how animals are treated. There's over 20 countries with national prohibitions on either wild animals or all animals in circuses, representing all different types of countries. And I think that people are saying, this is just in the name of entertainment. Right. This, this isn't right. And this is where we are drawing the, the line right now in the, the 21st century. Right. And I, I, I absolutely think that 
this this is a, a a wonderful tact. I think it's a politically it's a winner politically to, to the tact of of uh, your approach of uh, with this film and and the approach of ADI that animals are not for our entertainment and they sh- and this this kind of arcane idea that they should be. I'd certainly like to see the United States move more rapidly in that direction. I, I know there's been some progress made, but. Uh, we have a long ways to go. I think a documentary that came out this year here in, in the United States, Blackfish, is moving people again in, in a, you know in, in in that direction. And oddly, from kind of the point of view of a of a um, workplace safety, of if nothing else, in terms of Blackfish, the 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 the, sa- the, in, the the danger that these captive orcas present to the the trainers is has been a motivating factor i think in in why people are not turning up at sea worlds as much as they did before and uh, it's having an impact uh, corporations are withdrawing support um for uh, for these kind of endeavors i think we're beginning to see the tide turn here i hope so i i think so too and i i think that you know blackfish is another example of what adi believes in which is evidence-based campaigning mm-hmm. you know if you give people the facts and the evidence and, you know, whether that's in different ways, whether it's in, you know, short, you know, video presented to the media or, right. you know, in a potentially entertaining documentary like Blackfish or, or Lion Ark, give people the facts and I, I think, you know, people will do the right thing. And the, I think the U.S. is is arguably behind the curve on this yeah. in terms of legislation. Right. But I don't think the public are. The U.S. has a very, very small circus industry, considering its enormous size. Yeah. And um, so I don't think there's any great appetite for these shows, whatever you know some of the circuses might claim. There is clearly not a sort of the appetite for animals in circuses that you, you perhaps find in France or Germany. Yeah. And um, so I think there will be change here. And, and People have said uh, when we've done Q&As, at, uh, when we've been screening at the festivals, um, people have said, you know, what's the problem here? Is it, is it about money here in the U.S.? Is it about this? Is it about that? And, of course, money and jobs are important everywhere. When you're in countries like Peru and Bolivia, where yeah. there is a lot less money, then money is kind of more important than ever to people. Yeah. But this, this is an industry that will survive without animals right. you know the big growth in animal in circuses is in the animal free circuses right you know, it's, it's the, the Cirque du Soleil and yeah. things yeah. that's the future yeah. and and that is what will transform it both in the US and and in other countries like like the UK is is about to pass legislation um, so I, I'm very optimistic and I, I hope that you know, Lion Ark is a part of the engine for bringing this change, showing that this is, is a positive thing for animals and people. Yeah, just on a personal note, just a, a quick anecdote from me of my life. I remember as a small child, my grandparents would take me to see Ringling Brothers, and it, it seemed to show up every year right around the week of my birthday, so they would take me there. And I wasn't much past 9 or 10 years old, and I, I just became increasingly more uncomfortable with the idea of watching animals, you know, ride bicycles and do crazy things, and just didn't seem right. But my and my point in bringing this up is is that I think this is a generational thing. I don't think that um, I, I think kids, younger people, people of my age, even, I just uh, in, intuitively understand that this is abnormal and that this can't be good. Even if you didn't know about the abuse, which we do know about. Even if you didn't know that, it just seems wrong to me to force a bear to ride a bicycle or a whatever it is, a lion to jump through a flaming hoop, whatever craziness they come up with for these animals. It just isn't right. I, I think that sums it up absolutely perfectly. I mean, I, I think that people can see that straight away. And I, I think that's why it's changing. You know, these, these elephants, which, you know, tonight in the U.S., there will be a circus somewhere, and they are putting the chains onto the, the feet of the elephants. Yeah. And, and they will be virtually immobilized, and there will be the tigers and the lions. 
in these tiny cages on the backs of trucks, you know, and they're, they're about two and a half meters wide, those cages, and that's where they spend almost their entire life. And and I think, like you say, there was this, it's, it's not a very old institution, it's about a century old of these circuses having these exotic animals and you know they were being torn from the wild you know in huge numbers in in the 1920s through to the the 50s and then suddenly people realized this is madness and it's cruel and you know zoos have begun to transform in in that period and they they still have a long way to go but this is just not right keeping these these animals in in cages this small and when you see you don't need a lecture on how cruel it is or what they're denied when you see just how they should live. Yeah. And, and that's the sort of message we, we have in the film, which is it's just obvious when you see how these animals should run and play and you see how they shouldn't be just lethargic shells of themselves, that then you know it's wrong. Yeah. No, it, it well... I want to thank you so much, uh, Tim Phillips, the director, producer, writer, the film documentary Lion Ark, along with Jan Kramer. Uh, you're a co-conspirator in, in so much of what you've done here. Uh, it's been an honor to talk to you, and I, you know, our 15 minutes turned into 45, so I really appreciate uh, the time you've taken here to, to spend with me. I and probably talk far too much. No, you, I'm, I'm thrilled that you, you had the time to spend with us and to talk about this, because I do think that animal rights is one of the, the final frontiers in terms of truly um, you know, a world in which we can all be proud to be uh, a part of uh, uh, animals or uh, to be... Uh, to be encouraged and nurtured and to be an integral part of our life and, and not in ways that are demeaning and and terrible. And Lion Ark uh, shows us a pathway uh, for at least for these animals in, in the circuses around the world to be able Jan, to find a way out. Jan says in the, very early in the film, you know, the, people say to us, why, why worry so much about animals when there's human, so much human suffering still? And Chan says that, you know, it's just not a choice of one or the other. If you move that line and and keep saying, we should protect these people in society, we should protect these animals, these people, the elderly, the weak, those who can't defend themselves, every time you move that line, we all benefit. Exactly. We all gain that safety net when we're protected. And a more humane society cannot harm any of us. Well, I, I, I just couldn't agree more. That is, uh, I absolutely, and that's a great way to, to end our conversation here. Um, I Thank you, Tim Phillips, uh, director of the film is Lion Ark. Go to lionarkthemovie.com. You can also go to uh, AD, ADI, which is just the Animal Defenders International, and find out more about them. That's ad-international.org. To find out more about the great work they're doing, as well as uh, Tim and Janner as well. Thank you so much for being here on Film Thank School. Thank you very much indeed. Take care. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.